number that usually you won't see that number that usually begins it's a wonderful night for oscar 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 who will win the nominees for best picture are me and my left foot tapping down that field of dreams cuckoo place where ghosts can play is this heaven no jack it's i away when you see shoeless joe swinging right now it's the lockout may vincent arbitration kind of night could only happen in a field of we belong to a mutual dead poets society walt whitman and me It's great in a segregated state Driving Miss Daisy back home Make sure there's fuel to get me to shoot I'm driving Miss Daisy He's driving me crazy I'm driving Miss Daisy back Born on the 4th of July Born on the 4th of July Who will it be? If you finish it they will applaud. <laughs> okay, Mr. Makeup Man, get ready. We've got an early call. Hello, and welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is your host, James Kent, and with me, Mr. Oscars, the guy who loves the Oscars, loves to watch every single minute, waits all year for him. Here he is, chill. I, uh, man, I, uh, the Oscars just don't do it for me anymore. Yeah, like they ever did for you. They did when I was a kid. Okay, well, you're no, you're no kid now. <laughs> I, I'm certainly not, but there was, when I was a kid, there was this, uh, uh, this feeling of sort of awe at this rarefied world that you would get a peek into with the Oscars. And it was, you know, all sort of just, it, it was big. And, uh, and it made me feel like there was some sense of importance to it. And, you know, you wouldn't get to see stars in the same way back then there. I mean, I guess there was entertainment tonight, but there wasn't the uh, yeah. constant coverage there is now. Certainly all that. Um, and, of course, I was a big movie fan. And, you know, you really kind of held out hope that the favorite of your film would win. And, uh, you know, as I as I actually would watch a lot of those films, um, you know, certainly in my teenage years. Yeah. Then I was I would have a favorite. I mean, I, I always had a goal to try to see every movie nominated for Best Picture. And you'd be uh, you'd be invested in it. You would care what won. There was some. And disappointed, of course, as they lost every time. <laughs> right, but but there was but there was some. I I remember getting invested and getting excited, and oh, it's Oscar Day, and it was kind of you know a big fun thing in my life. It's a beautiful day for Oscar. Da, 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 da. It's got the song that Billy Crystal used to sing. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Billy Crystal. I know. I used to a lot of times. I used to hate, and over the years, I've hated the schmaltz and lame attempt of comedy. But boy, I didn't realize how much I would miss it. <laughs> <laughs> until until oscar 2021 i was just gonna say just not a single joke right there there was no bruce valanche is he still alive i don't know i don't know i really don't know that's terrible um i think he is he was one of the writers for the oscars and would write a lot of the one-liners that were in the intro speeches i mean there was a lot of things going against the oscars this year the one they they did you know, there was a lot of decisions that get made about this particular oscar season and because you can't predict things. So they made a lot of decisions that turned out to be the wrong decisions. And that, of course, carried all the way to the ceremony itself. And the first was that they felt, well, they kept on waiting to see if movie theaters would open. And so early on, they made a decision to move the Oscar season out, thinking, well, then we'll have all these movies come out at the end of the year. Right. But I think that had they realized that it, that was never going to happen and that things would just pop up on streaming services, that keeping that window at the end of December and then maybe having nominated, we could have been done with this by now. And as it is, it's all re it's practically 2022. Yeah, I mean, it's the end of April. And even my mind was messed up last night thinking, 
wow, at the latest, this used to be late March when this would go on. And, and, right. And so it, it just feels like too little too late. And of course, you know, there were some movies that came out and then they wouldn't have had their chance. And so I, I guess I'm glad there's an award, but it, it should have been really uh, dialed down and to sort of like, hey, we had a ceremony and we're going to show you the results and then not right. have a show. But I understand that it's about money and ratings and stuff. But I can't imagine that very many people watched it. Well, uh, I mean, we've talked about this already. I mean, here's the funny thing is there were a lot of quality movies that were nominated based on what was available, right? Um, and it's not a year that I could even get too upset that something didn't get nominated because there really right. wasn't that many because movies to nominate. Yeah. I mean, there really wasn't, right? I mean, I like a few movies that didn't get nominated, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was the ceremony itself. Uh, you know, I, you watched the entire thing. I had to bail partway through. You did not have to bail. You chose to bail. I couldn't take it. But it was we have too depressing. Show, we have our own show to do. And, of course, we have listeners that were relying <laughs> on our comic interplay that we both watched the Oscars and could really comment on it. And now it's going to be me making jokes and you have to comment on it because I actually watched the whole thing. I took notes and then I couldn't believe when I was reaching out to you and you weren't. And then, and then we had that other friend get in and we were like, it was actually fun to chat. And if yes. we had just been doing that the whole time, it would have been <laughs> funny, but it would have been much more fun. But yeah, it just, uh, I, I found the whole thing kind of sad and depressing and, I, I didn't think there was any joy or cheer in any of the ceremony. Everything seemed dour well, you know what's weird is that when you had the big, big hall, right, the, yeah. they fill with thousands of people, you get the sense, even though this is not true, but you got the sense that, wow, everybody in that audience, there's the Academy. And yes. you'd see celebrity, like you'd see people that weren't in any of the movies, but like you'd see the Hollywood legends. Yes. And then you'd see the newcomers. But they were intermingled with like the Hollywood legends, the people that have become the establishment, who were the new people, and then of course the new people. And it, you realize that was kind of fun. And then you have this ceremony, and not only did it have to be smaller for those reasons, it felt smaller. And then it really did end up feeling like it was the Independent Spirit Awards, yes, where you had a lot of act. You didn't the people that were nominated, they weren't your A-list Hollywood people. Right. So you weren't seeing all of those glamours uh, that you didn't see. You had to have presenters that could also fit within this social distancing thing. So a lot right. of the presenters were people that were also nominated for things. And so you didn't have like at least, oh, I'm seeing some star power. Like you didn't see Julia Roberts suddenly showing up and giving away an award, right? Right. And that's the way it's been in the past, though, is let's march, some, let's march some stars out. And it, it was not a – yeah, you're right. It wasn't an A-list uh, – type uh, cast for this show I, I actually started off really enjoying and partly because it was a, it was a different experience yeah like, like i loved at first that this union station in la uh, well very cool looking yeah. it was cool but see i watched it leading i had some time leading up to the oscars so i thought well i'll put on the pre-show i heard there was a pre-show and i was like great i can do other things this is gonna be on the background and i loved like the out the exterior that they mm -hmm. did for Union Station was really beautiful, and I just liked that it wasn't like an obnoxious guy like uh, who's that dude um, Ryan Seacrest or something. Oh, right, you know, and that obnoxious kind of overproduction that they used to do yep. at those ceremonies, and you'd get a half an hour, and they'd be like, you know, dramatic music, and you'd see a red carpet and all that crap. I, no, I, I actually, I, I did turn, I did the same thing. I turned on the pre-show. And then, of course, I heard they were going to do all the songs then. And you know what? I, I read some mixed things about this, that some people were mad, like, after the fact that, wow, there was no songs, and you'd have to have been a real fan to have tuned in. And I'm like, if you really liked the songs, which nobody but you liked the songs, person, yeah. then you would have tuned in to the pre-podcast. And I liked that the songs were there, because if I didn't really feel like watching it, I didn't have to. Yeah, exactly. And that it was already pre-taped. And so I personally liked that, especially in a year where there were no popular songs. And I didn't even remember hearing any of those songs. Also, during the pre-show, the song would come on and the Chiron would disappear. And so I'm watching the song and I'm like, what, who is this and what movie is it from? And I couldn't, you know, I had no idea. 
And so I think there weren't the, the I mean, not that the song sounded bad. It's just, it was, we, I mean, again, we, we didn't have a big year of the movies. Right. Uh, but then I also was like, you know, this is, this pre-show could really solve a lot of problems. I know that some categories might not want to hear this, but to me, the pre-show would be a great opportunity to do live action shorts and uh, documentary right, shorts right, right. and yeah. do a few of those uh, award sound awards. Like you could do that. And then you'd have a ceremony where you'd have a little bit of time to sprinkle in some of these production numbers or interesting film clips or that uh there were there were no film clips well that's another big thing that happened is that it suddenly became so lifeless because at first there wasn't the fluff so you felt like you were getting through categories fast right however pretty soon it became apparent that they were letting the the people actually accept their awards and go on and thank people and they were boring speeches that wouldn't stop. Yes, they were boring speeches. Well, not only that, it, like instead of showing clips, what they did was like, let's talk about these people's first job in the industry. Yeah, the clip packages. Again, I think what they thought is we have a three-hour runtime and this is how it's going to fit. So if they put clip packages in, it might go too fast. Right. That you know, so and then at first, also they did something they haven't done in years too, is the special awards, which mm-hmm. were their own ceremony for the last few years. They put like the humanitarian awards back, and I liked and didn't like that because the one with Tyler Perry that was kind of cool, and, yeah, and he and he did a good speech, but then they had this Brian Cranston thing, which I. Th- thought was the humanitarian award so like i was like we're seeing two different ones and what was this and it was just like you know fluff it was just a lot of fluff and i i personally like the clips i do too i want to see clips i want to see clips it's especially great for you know movies that i haven't seen but uh yeah i wanted to see clips and well look about all the people that would tune in who don't know what these movies are wouldn't you want to like sell these movies a little bit exactly exactly um and my kids uh you know haven't seen all the movies and so they always like the clips my oldest has watched some of the oscars before like last year he spent a lot of time watching it but i think he'd seen some of the movies this year he has not seen a single one so he didn't watch it until like 11 o'clock he came down and getting ready to get the dog and he sat and watched the last 15 minutes I guess we can talk about the last 15 minutes, but... We're going to talk about the awards. We'll go down. It'll be our last chance to kind of talk about some of these movies. But um, I think we're doing good with just talking about some of the things, the picadillos of the ceremony, which you didn't watch, of course. Um, I I watched some of it. (laughs) And then it, it really, it just got too sad for me. Well, you know, I didn't find it sad, but it was around the time that I found that you weren't even watching anymore, that it was taking a turn where these speeches for things like documentary short or some of the technical ones, there was that thing that happened years and years and years and years ago, but it's legendary that like when Star Wars would like one special effects or something, the uh, recipients went on for like 10 or 15 minutes and people were like, get the hell off the stage. Uh, And, you know, I didn't like, it was okay to have Questlove doing like his DJ thing. Right. But that would, that's more like a pre-show thing. Of hey, course, there was no, I felt. well, there was no orchestra and he didn't play music that had anything to do with movies. Right. He didn't even find a way to like <laughs> do a ironic music to like when someone came up to get their award or something. And it, at times it really didn't work. Yeah. And then, of course, on that, a lot of people have made a comment, and and it is true. The in memoriam section, which was super fast. Did you actually watch it or you just heard about it? I heard. So I've watched some clips uh, today to, to pick up on, you know. It was obviously there was a lot of people that died this year. And there was no real like the music choice. And it just wasn't an emotional lift. And you had no breathing room to really take in who the dames were right yeah and i and again this is maybe a controversial take but one of the big things i think we have a disagreement on this but when i was growing up when they did the in memoriam when certain big icons would come up you'd hear the audience really applaud i never looked at that as well these other smaller people nobody liked or they didn't get their applause and it was unfair to them i just looked at there's something collectively when someone like a sean connery dies right 
it's that last moment, and you might get a little bit more applause just because this guy, everybody knew, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Major figure. But now we don't get that. And of course, in the small crowd, you wouldn't, that would have been probably, it would have been a failure, right? Right. Um, so, so that was, that itself was a big miss. And there's a couple other big things that have been talked about and we're going to talk about them and then we're going to get into the actual awards and just kind of our feelings about them but uh one thing and this to me was just just bad bad on the producers it was 20 minutes to 11 and i was like there's only three awards left we're gonna get this done at 11 so great and even last year i think it was over by like 11 10 11 15 they did a good job but yet they had all the comedy but they still did right. a much faster job because they got these people off the stage so i'm like oh this is great but no 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 the oscars i think that the producers were like oh my god we're gonna run early here oh yeah we we can't finish early we can't finish early so we have a bit ready to go and they did this terrible bit. And it's funny. Well, we'll get it. There are people that like thought this was the highlight of the evening or something. And What? Okay. Well, did you see the bit? No, I haven't seen the bit. Do you know what the bit is? Uh, yeah. All right. So like Questlove does this like trivia game to see whether or not people knew whether this song won an Academy Award, was nominated, or wasn't even, uh, you know, picked. And it was so obvious to me that this was a setup bit. Right. That it was so set up that I actually even think that whatever Sandra Day had said or Andra Day said uh, that they bleep that they bleeped out, I actually think that was part of the setup so it would look like there's something funny being said. <laughs> right? I, I don't buy anything of this. But then they get to this third clip that was obviously not something that was ever nominated for the Academy Award. But then there's Glenn Close happens to be sitting at the table with the other people talking. Right. I can't believe it. And she should never know what the song is or any of the details. And she magically knows all of the details and then does this little dance thing that people will think is awesome. It was, to me, the single worst moment of the night. Wow. Because I don't like something that's so obviously scripted, pretending to be spontaneous and awesome. And also, they hadn't been doing bits. And no. So and then this came in and it took like two, way too, took like 10 minutes. And suddenly, instead of getting out of here at 11, now we're going to get out of here <laughs> After 11. Oh, so that was a mistake. <laughs> and then, you know, they've done this a few times in the Academy Awards where they used to have a traditional lineup where they built. Yes. And there's been a times where the director does get picked a little bit earlier. Yeah. Of course, then that's usually, not in recent years, just because there's been some uh, changes between picture and director. But when you gave the director too early, all the suspense used to be gone. Right, yeah. Right? So, like, way early in the program, they they do the, the best director. Yeah, at, like, 90 minutes in, right? Yeah. And so, it's like, okay, well, now your odds are really uh, shrinking as to what's going to win best picture, right? Even though there is suspense, I mean, there's, there's been yeah, some time suspense, but you pretty much know at this point that Chicago seven is out of the running. Uh, well, no, because uh, it wasn't nominated for best director and people thought that that could. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. I'm right, just saying yeah. that it's just surprising that you that the director could have been a great moment because it's the second female ever to yeah. win best director. But yet you, you kind of cut, you know, kind of put that early. However, the big controversy and the <laughs> yeah. total oh. pathetic is that there really was no need, no matter how you slice it, to have switched up best actor and actress for the end of the night. Yeah. And then best picture third, because what they were betting on was that there could be this a big emotional thing with Chadwick Boseman. Right. And well, it was a surprise that Chadwick Boseman didn't win, but it was more of a surprise that he didn't win because when they moved it to the end, you thought, well, the Academy, you know, they obviously, uh, they know the results right. and that they told at the very end, like, we, we're going to we're gonna do this because there'll be a nice emotional lift. And they even had Joaquin Phoenix was going to give away that 
that prize. And he said something while he was doing it. I'm not going to say what I was going to say because I think he was going to build towards a Chadwick Boseman win. Oh, right. And then, and this is the last award they give. And then suddenly, Anthony Hopkins, who he's is eight, sleeping. Right. And people were, by the way, they were upset. Some people were upset. Like, he's not even there. I'm like, the guy's 83. You want a guy to go, like, somehow fly from Wales. <laughs> right. And be here <laughs> for a ceremony to pick up an award that he was thinking he was not going to win. Just so that you can feel happy when he takes the stage? Are you guys freaking mental? <laughs> like, what the hell, man? That's insane. Like, no. But then it, it's it's such an anticlimactic ending to the ceremony because he's, you know, it's like, here's the big award. And then he's not even there to give a speech. Well, there's no host or anything after it. So it's like, goodbye. It's over. And they just accept. So you didn't even have, after all those long, boring speeches, you actually got uh, a little bit of a break where there was no speech at the end. <laughs> So who gave the longest, most boring speech? Well, you know, after a while, all right, I was like, I'm like, I would use that time to get a little things around the house quickly done, <laughs> wrapping up <laughs> the evening. So I, I really don't know. But uh, here's, so I'm going to go over, we're going to take a, I think I've gone over all the notes about like things that happened. Right. Um, well, except that, uh, well, no, no, I'll get into the speeches as we get through um, the stuff. I will say another thing. They did do a couple of trailers for movies. Yes. And one was for In the Heights, right? And mm -hmm. my wife, you know, she loves Hamilton, so she wants to see that. And I I would actually like to see that in the theater, but now the conundrum is that stupid HBO Max. Right. They're making it available the same day. I don't know if my local theater is going to have it. And then it becomes, well, HBO Max, I think I got it for free for a year because of upgrading my cable package for the internet, you know, speed or something. And so I don't have to pay for, for In the Heights. Right. Or I could go an hour and a half out of my way and see it in a big screen. So I don't know. I'd like to see it in the theater, but HBO Max kind of ruined that. It kind of ruined it for this year anyway. Yeah. So, you know, thanks a lot, HBO Max, you dummies. <laughs> um, then I got to say, <laughs> at first I thought it was a car commercial that they were uh -huh. using the West Side Story music. Uh, that's oh. But I'm like, wait a second here. So did you see the West Side Story trailer? I saw the West Side Story trailer, okay. yes. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm in. I want to see it. I am conflicted. Well, okay. So here's what I'm in. I thought that what I was looking at, I thought composition-wise, I'm like, wow, there's some real mastery yes. in, these, in these compositions. I'm kind of excited about this. My biggest issue is the question of why I still don't understand why Steven Spielberg would take a perfect movie, won all these Oscars. What did he feel that he needed to redo? Even if it's because it's it's one thing. It's like, well, OK, today in 2020, but he's not setting it in 2020. No, no, <laughs> he's not like and, and it is a perfect movie. I, 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 I that was my immediate response upon seeing the trailer was once again, why? What what demanded that this movie get made and why is Spielberg, I don't know how old Spielberg is, but, you know, I don't know how many movies he has left in him. He's going to be a year older than he was going to be when this was originally supposed to be released. And <laughs> well, he's, exactly. He's like, <laughs> I want to say he's like 74 or 5 now. Yeah, and, that's what I think. You know, we, we could do math. We could do math, and that's the thing is that I just don't see why – I just don't get why this movie. This was a movie that I, even if it was playing HBO Max, I'm going to go see it in the big – to me, if I'm not seeing it on a big screen, it's not – It's, it's not, really not worth it, yeah. yeah. But maybe it'll be an IMAX. I'd go see this in IMAX. I think that's where the sound – and I, I got I to know. I, except the fact that a movie uh, – a production like West Side Story does prop up on Broadway in a new version – Right. Yeah. So they and they make some changes, but I just can't imagine what would be so different that it would need a new movie. Yeah. So I am intrigued and I liked the visuals that I saw. Yeah, I did, too. All right. So I'm just telling you that I kind of want to see it. Um, OK, so like I said, I started off liking it, the ceremony. And then by the end of it, you know, I was like, yeah, but I kind of yeah. was also like, well, what are you going to do in a year like this? Well, exactly. And, but that was part of my issue with it, too, was just like, I've had enough of the COVID shows. 
I mean, they didn't go beating it over with the head with COVID. No, but, no, no. You but know. just, you know, the fact that it's like you can't have the big audience and, you know, you can't have people hug. And, you know, usually like when somebody gets up to get their award, you see them like, you know, shaking hands and hugging the people around them in the seats. And Well, there's something, there must be an energy to that kind of audience because when someone wins, like they get very excited versus yes. here, it was very casual and nobody was like out of control, excited or anything to even win there awards no no there was no big everybody just seemed to be it just seemed dour so okay so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go in the order of the awards very fast please we we don't need to you know but i'm just kind of curious so emerald fennel i think she was expected though there could have been i mean aaron sorkin if he was going to have a good night he would have won that would have been it yeah um so already i was happy that he didn't get the, the screenplay and uh you know so i i i was fine with her winning best screenplay yeah. Okay. I think so too. I would have questioned that movie winning Best Picture, but oh well, yeah, that wasn't gonna win. Best yeah, Picture. it's no, maybe I, the it, movie that people in five years are gonna be like, oh man, that was way better than whatever, you know? Right. But the Father wins Best Adapted Screenplay. I think there was a few choices that could have happened in this particular category. I think so. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if it was a surprise in that, you know, I guess I wouldn't have been surprised if, say. Chloe Zhao had won for Nomadland, right, or something, or something else, and adapted because there was a few choices. But what it did indicate to me was I thought the father might have a good night. Yes, because I, clearly, what would happen is the father. It actually premiered in Sundance before the pandemic. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. way back in like January of okay. 2020, and it just waited for it to come around. But it is a film that, because of the timing that it was made available to people to watch. It had good timing. It had great timing. It just picked up a lot of uh, momentum. And people seem to really like it, but they also seem to be just like marveled at, we were taken into the world of somebody with Alzheimer's. I've never seen that. I now know what it's going to be like. I'm going to think I'm going to be in three different apartments, but I'm really going to be in an old age home. Uh, But it seemed to have cast a spell. and, And let's face it, you know, we didn't maybe see them there last night, but there's a lot of old folks in the academy. Well, also, it's a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know. I've, I've been hard on it, and it's not that I didn't like it. I did like it. I just didn't love it, and I would never have nominated it for anything other than maybe best actor and best set direction. It, it's a decent movie, though. It's just it's not it not my favorite. You're right. But you know, I mean, screenplay. Uh, oh, I get adaption. it. He adapted from a play, and it didn't just feel like a play to me. So I think yeah. that you know it's a good adaptation. And yeah, Christopher Hampton, you know, yeah, you know, some good company. Yeah, best international film. And I didn't see any of the other choices. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> and I don't think any of the Academy did either. They could always have said I watched the screener because this year I don't think they had to show up for a special uh, right screenings to watch it. But I mean, I was very happy with another round. Sure. And yep, Thomas Winterberg's uh, speech was great and very heartfelt. I was emotional. Yeah. After that, I was kind of like, I don't know if a sp- another speech is going to be that good. Right. So at this point, one thing that was pretty clear, other than something that might have been an, an amusing that somebody said, something you mm-hmm. know, that amused something that was a little bit funny, there was no intentional comedy going on. Right. There was none of those like, hey, we're going to bring two, uh, you know, two actors up on the stage to do really awkward banter. Yes. Yeah, they, they chose to they chose not to do that. And, and it probably was good because, man, if you're not getting any laughs out of that dead room, <laughs> you know, it, it would just be. <laughs> yeah, it would be. That would be. And that's exactly what would have happened. They would have made the joke and there's like 75 people there. And yeah, except for I think is that this is this would have been a great opportunity to have had a jokey host because a really good stand up knows how to work a room that size. Yep, you're right? absolutely right. That's like, they did have them like all teared up in laughter if you had the right, but I think that because of COVID and all that, nobody wants to have like a joke. Uh, no, right? Well, yeah, that's the thing. They were like, we need to be serious. We can't be joking around during COVID. And as a result, it's too serious. Yeah, imagine, imagine if this poor sucker right, starts making mask jokes, you know what the internet would have done? <laughs> you know, these people have no sense of humor anymore. They're just waiting to tear you in. Um, can you believe that he had the audacity? My <laughs> My friends, next door neighbors, best friends, acquaintances, grandfather died of COVID. Yeah. How dare you? you? How dare you make a mask joke? Yeah. See, now you can write your uh, your nasty comments to me, uh, feedback 
at StopWeeking.com. <laughs> How dare you, James? Dare make a mask joke. I'm going back a year ago when you thought it was funny to, to do a Silkwood shower routine. All about COVID and my best friend's neighbor's aunt's uncle's cousin's stepfriend got COVID and got a little sick. And you're still not going to get vaccinated. (laughs) By the way, people, again, vaccinated all the way right over here. And so with you, too. I'm not I'm not all the way. No, because you're going to just go one shot and that's it. And you're going to see what happens. <laughs> no, I just, oh. I'm waiting on my second shot. So oh, I haven't gone oh, all yeah. the way yet. Yeah. Not oh. all the way vaccinated. And by the way, when the boosters are available in the fall, I will be getting one ASAP. Me too. Okay. Uh, so supporting actor, you know, uh, I mean, we've had this discussion before. I think we both yep. particularly liked, um, well, I like Paul Reese from Sound of Metal. Yeah. But you also liked Lakeith Stanfield. I really liked Lakeith Stanfield. And yeah. I did too. But, you know, it, it, Daniel uh, Kaloya, he was on Saturday Night Live like about a month ago. Okay. And he was hilarious. Yeah, I like him a lot. I just think that the, the, it wasn't the more interesting role in the movie. And no, that's not. But, it, but you, hear his, you hear his real accent and the fact that he did a flawless American one, that does count for something. I mean, that, that counts for some, no, I mean, I think it's a great performance. I, it, it has nothing to do with his performance. I just liked the other character better, but I'm okay with a win. And you know what? He gave yep. a great speech and the guy even was like, kind of, I'm like, why this guy needs to be put into a comedy. Yeah. He, he should be put into a Cause comedy. I watched him do skits on Saturday Night Live and I'm like, this guy is hilarious. And he always plays like a very serious role. Yeah. I'm, I'm asking a question that I obviously, I think I know the answer to, because your answer is almost always no, I haven't seen it, but you didn't see uh, Queen and Slim, did you? No. Oh, you know, it's, it's one of those genre movies and it has the good things and the bad things about a genre movie, Okay. but he's in it and he's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend it on a rainy day if you wanted to just check out something with a genre piece. Cool. You know, Ma Rainey, hair and makeup, whatever. Yeah. Wh- what? I Whatever. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it was around this time as I was checking Twitter that uh, Stephanie uh, Zacharach, uh-huh. I, I forget, she really hates Promising Young Woman. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's funny. And every moment she can take an opportunity to say how much she hates Promising Young Woman, uh, you know, she does. And she also, it turns out, hates another round. Well, interesting. Yeah. But I never really know. Does she like any movie? I don't know what her champions were this year, I have to say. I don't really follow her I don't her know either. Closely. I don't follow her that closely. I just but. know she hates Promising Young Woman and another round. <laughs> um, and I would just maybe question, I'm like, what, does she like movies? Like, you know, she just <laughs> hates is such a strong word. I mean, I did not like Chicago 7 that much, but I didn't hate it. Now, I know you did. You hated it. I hated it, it yeah. You Zacharach, that mother. <laughs> I, and I will take every opportunity to diss that movie. <laughs> well, I think that's the best part about the Oscars and why you should think it's the greatest oscars ever is yes because they had eight films up for best picture seven of them won something except for the eighth one chicago seven was completely shut out yeah now i don't like to use the word snub because i don't think it was snubbed i just think that you know in each category it just was not it, the, it, the closest no. was maybe editing it could have maybe won maybe yeah then they did the Herschel things so then then already oh ma rainey best costumes you know whatever mm-hmm. Okay, so then Chloe Zhao makes history as the second female best director, first Asian female director. I'm like, so early in the the show. That's weird. That is weird. Yeah, Soderbergh confuses me. Well, he's one of the producers. He wasn't the I only know, producer. But a lot of it, apparently, the idea of like how to shoot it was from him uh you know again there was some interesting things interesting experiments and you know you can always take some of the good stuff that happened here Mm -hmm. and then maybe apply it later uh sound of metal won best sound and you know i personally love the sound of mank i thought that was unique but sound of metal also did some very innovative things trying to get you into the head of somebody losing their hearing right which of course again Sound of Teal not seeing that movie. Uh, yep. Sound of me not seeing that movie. Not sure why you, you wouldn't see that, but. Uh, it, I have no resistance to it. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, and of course, now that the Oscars are over, you're not going to get around I to it. I probably won't. Yeah. I mean, but I, you know, I saw more of the nominated movies this year than I have in a decade. I think it's because we're doing this show. 
and you're doing your well, job. Well, that's part of it, but also they were available to see at home. I didn't have to go to the theater ahead of time to. It's true, and then uh, where we live again, you have to really make a special effort to be able to get to yeah. see some of these. So, but it was it, it, I just had way more access to the movies this year. I hear you, sir. I do. <laughs> uh animated short okay anything if anything happens i love you now here's the funny thing when we did the nominations episode yes we didn't know anything about the animated shorts right yeah and we even joke with like if anything happens i love you Uh, i love you too (laughs) and then I went and searched online. I was like, well, I wonder if any of these are available. And Netflix, it was actually on Netflix and had been a big hit on Netflix, actually, for a couple months. Oh, okay. And I watched it. And I watched it one night in bed. Because it was like like an eight-minute thing. Right. And my uh, wife is next. And next thing you know, she hears me. And I'm like making, you know, (laughs) sniffling. (laughs) And then I actually broke out into a a full sob. And she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, you don't understand. And it was it was gut wrenching, and then I was telling my oldest about it, right? And I said, yeah. I don't think there's anybody who can watch this movie without tearing up. And then finally, my wife was like, Okay, so I had to go somewhere. I had to take my uh, youngest to karate, right? So <laughs> we we head out. Neither one of them could do it. They couldn't make it. They did. They, oh. they had tears. They could not take the challenge. So it's a challenge if you could actually watch that film and not tear up. Okay, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I guarantee you that you no one in your household could watch that and not and not lose it. It's not for and by the way, it's not for the it's not for the little one. Challenge accepted. Okay, you 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 tell me you'll be like, nope, couldn't do it. I know you can. <laughs> you cannot see if anything happens, and that's why I think it won because anybody who saw that, unless they are just have no emotions whatsoever isn't going to be destroyed by that animated short. And if something, it's not that the animation was so amazing or anything, but if something can destroy you in eight <laughs> minutes, and then I'm talking, you don't understand. I, don't, yeah. I had a, I had a grief sob. Like I just, <laughs> I just hit me. Um, and so, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's, if anything happens, I love you listeners, go watch it and see if you can take the challenge. I don't think you will win. You're going to lose. <laughs> Did you see any of the other ones? No. I didn't. Yeah. I do want, I mean, I'd like to, I just, you know, those are the things that once this is over, they're going to go into the back of the drawer. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I was just curious. Yeah. Soul. That was kind of the expected winner and it won best feature, whatever. I have uh, not seen it. Yeah. Uh, Doc short subject. The winner was Colette. Maybe on streaming somewhere. I don't know. Could be. Yeah. Best documentary. We talked about it on our show. We did. I love this movie, and I'm kind of shocked that it won because often with uh, it's it's not often that the crowd pleasing documentary wins. Well, okay. Here's my theory. This is what happens. We see sometimes the crowd pleasing documentary up, and of course, it's the one that everybody sees, and then it doesn't win. And when you're like, "Well, how could it? it was so great?" Well, to actually vote, you can vote as a member. When it comes yeah. to the final nominations, once all those are nominated, you can vote for every category. However, there are some caveats. When it comes to the short subjects and it comes to like documentaries and it comes to international film, you're supposed to go to special screenings and see them. And then right. you can vote. Well, this year you didn't have those. Right. So how could they prove it? They probably opened it up more. Okay. I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't so, know all the details. So then the crowd pleaser gets in there. Yeah. Right. But- I saw two of the five. I saw My Octopus Teacher and I saw Crip Camp, and they were both amazing. And I don't know. I I guess My Octopus Teacher was really the heartfelt, enjoyable one. Yeah. And it was really good. I don't know if the other three, how they were, but I got a feeling that anybody who watched, again, if you watched My Octopus Teacher, I don't see how you could not like that movie. Right. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's such a uh, such a crowd pleaser. It is. It's really great, and it's just it's a great story. I mean, it really does talk. It, it's to, a to- totally unique story. It's not a documentary I've ever seen before. Yeah, and I also think it just it. What I really like is it shows that you know there are connections that we can make to creatures that we don't really know much about. Yeah. And that we just have to take the time, and that we're missing, I think, a big picture of what the sea could teach us. Yeah. You know, so I really liked it. Uh, special effects, Tenet, right? That's, you know, that should have won, I think. I mean, there was, yeah. again, you could say what you want about that movie, but I don't know how they did all those reverse effects. Yeah, no, really. And a lot of 
uh, those effects are practical too. So I mean, they did some stuff that you know you really had. It, it was you know that was the best part of the movie. So uh, supporting actress uh, Yu Jong Yoon, Manare, great speech. She's been the delight of the Oscar season, right? And uh, and guess who didn't win? Glenn Close. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, it's not that just did that. She look at her prize. I guess was or was it a curse that she gets her eighth nomination? I mean, it's kind of embarrassing. Um, at this, it point. is kind of embarrassing. I mean, she's really always a bridesmaid, right? But you know, we could do a show and break down every one of her nominated performances. And the thing is, if you look at them, I'm not debating whether or not she should have been nominated. But when you stack her up in her category against the winner or other yeah. nominees. There's no reason why she should have won any of those. Right. I mean, it's just, that's it. I, I'm not a huge Glenn Close fan. No, I mean, I, I mean she's nice. I, I mean, I like her. I just, she's, I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with her, but I don't like, I, I, I don't go, oh, wow, Glenn Close. Prov-. And, you know, the way people do with, say, like Meryl Streep. I mean, you know, Glenn Close is not like, oh, hey, Teal, quick, we got to get out to the theater. There's a Glenn Close movie playing. Exactly my <laughs> point. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for instance, the last one she got nominated was that one about a divorce or something. Yes. The wife or I don't know. Yes, and which I never saw. Yeah. I, I started watching the first five minutes of it, and it wasn't that it was bad. It just, ah, I'm like, I have to watch this. I'm going to pass. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, you know, it's like uh, someone going to legitimately tell me, oh, yeah, she should have won for Albert Nobbs. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we're talking about. I mean, she was nominated for supporting actress for a bunch of things in her early career. She was nominated for The Natural. Now, I, you know, she's fine in The Natural. but She's fine in The Natural. I don't think but she should have won that year. Yeah. You know, she was fine in World According to Garp, but should she have won that year? No. Probably not. Uh, she was fine in The Big Chill. Should she have won that year? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. She was fine in uh, Fatal Attraction. Do you think she should have won that year? Yes. You do? No, I'm joking. Okay. All right. See? All right. And then maybe, okay, maybe the argument at the time is that in 1988, she was nominated for Dangerous Liaisons. A lot of people thought she might win. She lost to Jodie Foster for The Accused. I don't know. Is she better than Jodie Foster in The Accused? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's one you can kind of go. Maybe she was better than Sigourney Weaver as Diane Fossey in Gorillas in the Mist that year, but was she better than Jodie Foster? I don't know. Yeah. I'm just so so. There's one where maybe she could have won then, and then we wouldn't have dealt with her getting nominated for Albert Knobs. <laughs> Albert, it's uh, just like an obligatory nomination. Well, I guess it was Glenn Close. Got to be. A- and then she should not have been nominated for Hillbilly Elegy at all. No, no, no. So you yeah. know. I mean, at this point, they're trying hard to give her an Oscar. And it's just not happening. Have they ever she's, given her an Maybe they need to give her an honorary one. Uh, she's she's not quite old enough yet. <laughs> Peter O'Toole, at least, was only nominated seven times and lost. She's been nominated <laughs> eight times and lost now. Yeah. So, anywho. Uh, so, then production design and cinematography. Two things that just the way the Academy didn't seem to like Mank. Right. I thought Mank had no chance, but it won both of those awards. It won both of those, yeah. And it's totally deserving, I think, Absolutely. of both of Absolutely. But I just yeah. didn't think the Academy had the ability to, to divorce itself from the fact that they somehow nominated Mank, but also somehow didn't seem to like <laughs> somehow it. Somehow did not care about it at all. Isn't that a weird thing when you have a movie that like gets all these nominations, but yet you get the sense that they didn't like it from whatever you're <laughs> reading? Nobody liked Mank. Yeah, it's weird because I like Mank a lot, but I know that I am a very specific film watcher. Yeah, yeah. And you're com- almost completely alone in liking Mank. You liked it. I know I did. <laughs> but you didn't. But you wanted, you'd rather say you didn't so you could be part of the horde that hates it. No, no, no. I actually don't want to be part of the horde that hates it. I like the movie. I just don't think it's, uh, you know, it's not my favorite movie ever, but I really liked it. And I thought the cinematography and the sound design, the soundtrack were brilliant. I think you like it more because everyone else hates it. That may be true. <laughs> like I would like there's a, there's a friend of mine uh, on uh, Facebook and she's probably the only other person that I know that follows the Oscars. And I know that she couldn't even finish watching Mank. She hated it so much. Really? I don't think, you know, you were talking last episode about how you didn't think Another Round was really a woman's movie. Right. I don't know about that, but I do know that Mank's not. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Yeah. I wish we could get Stephanie Zacharick on here to ask her what she <laughs> thought of Mank. And I really don't know. She might have loved Mank for all I know, but she probably hated it. <laughs> 
This one was a surprise, all right? Because sure, the sound of Sound of Metal was great. Editing-wise, I don't know what they were. I, don't, I mean, not that I'm saying it was bad editing. I'm just surprised that that was the winner. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I thought, I that thought, is you know, weird. You made a case for Nomadland. I thought that would have been a good choice. Yeah. I also thought that if they really love that the father, that, you know, the editing in the father is pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, if you were to give Chicago 7 any award. That would be it. Because I thought the editing was the, the I mean, I even remember when I sat down and watched it in like October, I thought, hey, the editing of this movie is pretty good. Yeah, that was one of the first things you mentioned about it, I remember. So, again, Sound of Metal, I guess it just to me shows you how much they did not like Chicago 7. <laughs> At Nomadland, I would have understood, though, too. Absolutely. I was surprised at Nomadland. Uh, well, at first I thought, boy, is this going to be one of those weird deals where it wins Best Director and nothing else? And nothing else, yeah. So then, uh, you know, Best Score, uh, again, I, they love to give Disney those scores. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was it was fine. It, uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. But I liked Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's score for Mank better. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess maybe because they won before, this other guy was part of the score, John Batiste. I don't know him. But oh, yeah. I don't know him either. He spent an awful long time giving a super long speech, and basically Trent and Atticus didn't get to say anything. Yeah, that's so weird when that happens. It's like the first person to go just totally ignores the other people. Yeah. And maybe they just had the good sense since they were letting everybody say whatever they wanted for as long as they want. They were probably like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best song. Judas and the Black Messiah, or whatever <laughs> okay. it was, you know. Hey, sure. I don't know. It's just yeah. It was like All maybe right. they just drew straws. Now this was funny. <laughs> All right, I, I had to write this down. There's a tweet that came out. It seems like uh, my octopus teacher uh -huh. had the funniest tweets, and uh, people wrote something like, uh, you know. It was especially hard this year for uh, other octopus teachers to teaching <laughs> on Zoom, and that it'll be great to go back to in-person octopus learning. <laughs> but this is, but this is my favorite tweet from somebody, and I don't have the person, but I just, you know, for those who didn't see the tweet, in in the sequel to My Octopus Teacher, he falls in love with an eel. It's called That's a Moray. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was great. That's that more great. <laughs> and then I was like, I kind of want to see that sequel. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, Nomadland. Suddenly, the best picture comes up, and I'm like, did they forget the the actors? And uh, Nomadland wins best picture, which. I'm not saying it was a shock. It just was a shock because, as you know. It's your pick, and your pick never wins. It has not. My pick for best picture, which, which, and mind you, I think out of the nominees, like maybe once or twice the film out of the nominees I thought was the best of the nominees right. would have won, but it wasn't the best film that I thought that year. And I don't know whether Nomad Lamb would have been my favorite film of the year if we had a normal year. Right, but when you look at those nominations. It was, it, that, it, to me, it was a standout. It, yeah, it's totally standout. Yeah, yeah, and I know I know for sure that Nomadland, if I was a normal year, would have definitely been in my top ten. Sure, but would it have been? It, yeah, but out of those nominees, I can't. I mean, none of them are on the same level as Nomadland for me. You know, when we talk about how they planned an Oscar ceremony a certain way for a certain result and didn't get it, <laughs> I this would have been a much different program had Chicago Seven won. <laughs> Yes. I would have been outraged. <laughs> and you would have been more outraged. Oh, I would have been ballistic over that. Yeah. But now we can just forget about that movie. We don't even have to do a, We don't even have to do a, a watching party. Yeah. Totally forgettable. Yep. Um, so Nomadland, for the first time since 1993, when I felt that Schindler's List was my favorite film of the year and also it won Best Picture, uh, there's been a few times when the film that I thought should have won Best Picture, it might have also been, but like in uh, 1998, when Saving Private Ryan did right. not win over that Shakespeare in Love movie. Oh, God, I hate that. So there, that didn't match up. And then for about a couple of minutes, La La Land, which was yep, my choice, yep. also you thought that <laughs> it won Best Picture, and then it didn't. <laughs> to a film that I just always will think is overrated. I'm sorry, Moonlight's just not my bag. Never seen it. I like it. It's a good movie. I just if I, if I had seen the film 
without ever like hearing a critic's you know word about it, and I right. discovered it. The last thing I would have ever thought was, "Oh my God, this is one of the best pictures of the year." Right. That's how yeah. I would vote it. I mean, so it just you know that's it. Um, and then of course they do best actress, and there was like I guess there was a little surprise here, only in that yeah there was a legitimate chance that three or four of the actresses nominated could have won. Yes. There was probably a lot of vote splitting. And in the end, I thought it was a surprise that Frances McDormand won. It, it is, but it also kind of is inevitable. I mean, it, it's such a... Uh... Well, I mean, but the thing is that that's where, when I came down to it, if I had to mark my ballot, even though, I mean, I really like Carrie Mulligan and I, and I liked what she did in that performance, boy, Frances McDormand really was the best performance of the year. She, it really was. Yeah. And it feels kind of inevitable once you, you know, I mean, Andrew Day is good. Uh, In a bad movie. I didn't see Pieces of a Woman. Uh, yeah, and I want to see, I heard she's amazing. She might actually be the best. I'll get to it. But the problem is, is that it has, what's his face in it? Shia LaBeouf. Oh. And just at the time this was getting ready to come out is all those abuse stories about Shia yeah. LaBeouf came out. And it's just, it's hard to sit down and and watch a movie where he plays the husband. Right. So that's a problem. <laughs> that is a problem. You know. Yeah. So I, I didn't see that. But, but yeah, when taken as a whole, I think Frances McDormand, it's it's just, it's a pretty powerful and it's a, it's a subtle performance, but it's really powerful and in its own way, kind of showy. Yeah, yeah, for a very non-showy performance, it's showy in that regard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but she makes terrible speeches, man. I mean, this is her third go-around for Best Actress. By the way, only one other actress has ever won more than three Best Acting, and that's Katherine Hepburn. Okay. Um, now, Meryl Streep's won three awards, but one of those was supporting. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty good is the Frances McDormand, you know, she's in rare. So she had a lame speech, though, huh? Kind of lame. And, you know, her first speech for Fargo wasn't very good. And I don't even remember what she said during uh, that three billboards crap. Um, and then, of course, we get to the big, <laughs> the biggest best speech of the night was the no speech from Anthony Hopkins, surprising some. And, and it was weird is that in recent weeks, I started to see a lot of support for Anthony Hopkins because yeah. people finally saw the movie and he is good in it uh, for sure. He's really good in it. Yeah. And I, you know, this is a hard thing. I, I did like his performance. Again, the one that I liked the most, Mads Mikkelsen wasn't nominated, so I can't right. vote for him. And I, I, since I was really neck and neck for me with Chadwick Boseman, even though I guess I liked what happens to Anthony Hopkins' character at the end more than I like what happened to Chadwick Boseman's <laughs> character at the end, which is kind of funny because it's not good for either one of them. It's uh, not, yeah, but I, no, that that was that really bothered me about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I felt like that was a misstep in the story. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to go back to the ghost of August Wilson's They Fix It. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't mess with the playwright stuff. Uh, no, no. So the thing is that... Uh, um, I would have given it to Chadwick Boseman again because I was like, you know, this guy, he was an icon to so many and taken yeah. way too soon. And But he at least did a performance that wasn't just a pity. It wouldn't have been no, a pity. No, it's awardees. totally wor worthy of, worthy performance. And I would not, uh, if he had won, I would have been like, that's awesome. He totally deserved it. And I and I really, it's not like that I, I know what goes on in the Academy's head and, and or everybody, I guess it was just enough votes for Anthony Hopkins. It's not yeah. like he didn't get votes. It just thought that was who was the winner. And I think, and this is, I've heard some of the chatter from, you know, industry insiders. Is there was a lot of people that, you know, well, again, the old white male thing. Right. But a lot of people were really taken by Hopkins' performance and really wanted to vote for him and probably felt, well, yeah, but I kind of have to give it to Chadwick Boseman. But you right. know what? Everyone else is going to give it to him, so I'm going <laughs> to give it to the guy that I think's the best, which is Anthony Hopkins. I think everybody felt that way, and you know. And then he wins. Yeah, yeah. And of course, they have it all set up for Boseman. Uh, guess his oh. wife. She has to go there, right? So she has to take yeah. all the tests and COVID. Has to go through all that, and then imagine it. You go to the end. They push it to the end. You think he's going to win, and I even think, oh well, they, they know that he's going to win. That's why it's the last award of the night. Right. And they did all this switching, and then suddenly it's Anthony Hopkins. Which, wow, that's a surprise. I wonder what he's going to say. <laughs> oh, he's going to say nothing. He's not there. Oh well, but when they can beam him in via satellite in Europe. Oh no, it's four in the morning there. But he's sleeping. Anything. 
thirty-three-year-old man, but I would think he'd be getting up. They should have had him in slippers and a robe. Yeah, I mean, why is he not just glued to the Oscar telecast for the whole time? They should have had him in his costume from Amistad when he was playing. Hey, I'm going to give you a speech. Uh, let me talk about. We're going to talk about men and freedom and property. I'm John Quincy Adams. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you come from? Ah, Spielberg, why are you doing West Side Story? It's been done. Didn't you see it? You got Rita Moreno up here. She's like 90. She's still kicking. She could, oh, you got her in the sequel. Great. Oh, it's not a sequel. It's just a remake. What are you doing? <laughs> I really think they should have done that. But Amistad, that was a terrible movie. I didn't like that movie. But I got to say, even though he's hammy and stuff, I did like his John Quincy Adams Jr. Yes. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, that's that's just a terrible movie. Yeah. So there we go. We did the Oscars. Um, you know, again, we can go on a little longer if you want to talk about some things. Um, I, I, I maybe just even the one thing because we did. You did catch up on a film, right? Yeah, I did catch up on a film. So maybe we'll just do that and then wrap it up. Yeah. Like I said, I, I'm I'm here for you. Whatever you want to talk about. But yeah, you know, we'll save some others for later. But we wanted to talk about nobody, right? We we did. And that's the movie that, uh, you know, a lot of people are talking about this movie. Well, there hasn't been a lot of new good movies to just, you know, talk about. Yeah. Uh, it did well at the box office, I think. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, g given the situation. Yes. Given the situation and that it's, you know, not a, a big, uh, big studio tentpole kind of movie. It's not Black Widow or something, right? No, but if you think about it, if this was, was no pandemic, right now it's what, end of April? We'd already be getting the summer movies. Isn't that crazy? We would, yeah, absolutely. And this movie would have just completely gotten lost in the shuffle. It would have been a February movie. Yeah. Like, oh, great. We can finally have something that's like, it's not the summer, but it's actually worth seeing. Yeah. And yeah, it's a, it's a small, lower budget type movie, which is kind of what I like about it is that it, it its action scenes and set pieces are fairly well contained you know it's not like uh, it's not like there's train crashes and yeah 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 helicopter chases and stuff like that but for me what makes this movie work because it's pretty standard revenge stuff it's pretty standard revenge I mean, part of me with watching it was like, why did this guy write the same movie again? It's basically John Wick. In many ways, yeah. It's this is like it's like it's a that's why it's it's a genre movie all the way. Yeah, and it is pretty much the same whole environment, and yet for some reason it works. Okay, so for me, the reason it works, there's one reason, only one. Everything else falls falls under this category. Okay, the casting of the lead actor. The casting of Bob Odenkirk for this character is genius. It's genius because he is, well, he looks like he's sort of past his prime a little bit, which is part of the character. Yes. He is really good at doing this internal conflict between, uh, I guess, a fight or flight conflict. Yeah. Would be the best way to put it. That's something he's dealing with through the whole movie is fight or flight. Uh, he ends up mostly choosing fight. But you see this stuff going on. But the other thing is, is that physically he gets so beat up. See, this is what I remember. I said, I think there's some things that you're going to like about it. Yeah. That's what I thought you were going to like, because what you liked about John Wick was that you felt like the punches and things hurt. Exactly. And this felt that way, too. And it's not like having, I don't know, Jean-Claude Van Damme or somebody who's like basically appears to uh bulletproof right you feel like this guy's gonna need a rest for a while afterwards <laughs> this guy needs some hospitalization some <laughs> rest i mean he works through the pain he's able to compartmentalize the pain but he is pretty seriously beat up and you feel it and you feel the people he's beating up and so the violence i think largely because of his casting the violence has more impact than it would with a typical action star yeah. I mean, of course, like you said, you know, we talk about sort of uh, mirroring John Wick. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's the Russians again, right? Yes. Um, they're the baddies, which it's kind of fun, I guess, that like, hey, we got sure. a new sort of baddies as Russian mobsters. But and also the fact that there seems to be this like, and I don't want to say secret society, but there's these layers of him. being. There's these. Yeah. Um, I liked, though, the way that they revealed all that. It wasn't like, you know, John Wick. 
he, it was very quickly, oh, he was assassin, he was out, and right. now he's going to have to go back because of what they did to his, uh, you know, dog. And, and, there's, and it was pretty much like he's back in action. This guy seems to have to really, like, remember who he was in order to yeah. get better at sort of his fighting and revenge. Well, he's, yeah, he's rusty. He's been out of the game for a little while. And, you know, when he first, like that scene on the bus. Oh, that's a great scene. And you're just like, okay, he's going to completely kick ass. And then he doesn't. He doesn't at all uh, at first. And it's like, oh, okay. He was overconfident going into that. And he changes up how he fights and ends up, he ends up kicking ass, but. Yeah, and the movie's got the RZA in it, and it's got uh, Christopher Lloyd. And <laughs> Christopher Lloyd is great in it. Uh, he's got to be 140 years old. Yeah, he looks it in any way in this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's got these. It, to me, I felt like it was it was in the John Wick universe, but it was in the suburbs. <laughs> exactly, it's a suburb. It's a suburban John Wick. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it, I mean, it, it is it is the subgenre. It does not play with the genre in a, any big ways, um, other than his cast. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, first of all, you could tell that he got himself into some good shape. Yeah. And he, he just was cool. And it's also wasn't just, oh, Bob Odenkirk doing the Bob Odenkirk thing. They took the strengths of Bob Odenkirk. Yes. And he did a much different character. Yeah. It's very different character than I've seen him do before. It was a really good performance. And yeah. And just it's a brutal movie in a good way. But it's also sort of uh fun and over the top and kind of comedic it's just it's a great genre movie it's a b movie really in my mind but, yeah but a very good b movie but a very good b movie yeah exactly and my, and, my uh, son loved it my oldest loved it. oh yeah i mean if you're up for like a revenge action beat em up movie this is definitely uh high on the list for this year so far plus also it was it knew what it needed it, it was one of those like wick it knows what it is yeah. And it also knows that we don't need to be any more than, what, 95 minutes? It's about 95 minutes, and it just uh, – any anything more than that, and it would have started to feel flabby. It's really tight and really focused, and uh, scenes don't go on very long. They're really just, you know, the necessary dialogue. Yeah, but think about what it does at the beginning, too, is it uses editing to tell a story fast. Yes. Oh, and that absolutely. was like, it's like, we don't need, you know what? We don't have, why, why have to go through the whole process of here's his dull life and existence. Right. And, and you just have these, this, these super fast montages of his dull life. It was I'm like, I'm like, yes, this is what movies should be doing. It, exactly. Like we, we can sum up his entire life in like 30 to 45 seconds. One of the things that I really liked about it is that for all these like two and a half hour movies, they don't necessarily develop characters any better through editing and choices like that. You actually establish some stuff about a character. We learn a lot about him as a character yes. through the way that the film is made. Yes, absolutely. I had this question about his wife, which was. Yeah, I think she knows about it. Yeah, that was the question is how much does she know? Yeah, but she was trying to, uh, you know, not that she, I don't, well, there may be more in the next movie, but like, you know, she was established in this life that I probably, she wanted, but she'd grown bored of it just like he had. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and she says that to him at one point, right? Yeah. You're not the same anymore or something. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, sometimes this is where I, you know, again, I've watched a lot of genre movies lately because of the Ennio Morricone stuff. And yeah. I really, there is a lot to appreciate sometimes in these genre movies. Yep. So, I can recommend this. If you if you want to revenge beat them up, highly recommend yeah, Nobody. With a, with a great Bob Odenkirk performance that you want to see a sequel because I want to see him do more stuff. Yeah. And it really is his performance that makes this movie more than it would be otherwise it was a really smart casting choice they could have just put some frank grillo in there you know it's funny <laughs> isn't he the guy from the the boss level thing or whatever yes yeah see i know um you know not that they're even in the same category i mean he's not an assassin in the way that john wick is an assassin right. with that society but in the fourth john wick movie if somehow in the plot Bob Odenkirk's character were to show up to help him out for a few minutes, like I would be applauding. Like that's just, you know, because it feels like a Marvel movie in that let's right. build this world. Like I, I like the fact that this movie established something and that the next movie could actually build upon it. Yeah, absolutely. But you in for a sequel? I'm in for a sequel. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I am too. 
More enjoyable, by the way, than a lot of the nominees for Best Picture this year. Not that there, there was better than some of those. It just was more enjoyable. It's enjoyable, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's never going to get nominated for anything, but. <laughs> no, and it probably shouldn't be, but that's not really the point of a movie like that. You know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a great entertainment. No, but you always get some joker on the internet uh, that I see that gets mad that, like, you know, the Academy never makes room for horror movies. I'm like, well, you know what? They would if there were any good ones. Yeah, you give me the give me the horror movie that you really feel should be a best picture. <laughs> tell me yeah. what it is, and I'll tell you why it shouldn't. <laughs> you know, because I'm sorry, everybody loved that uh, that Us movie, right? Um, and that was, you know, it was fine enough for a horror movie, a couple of thrills. But uh, make no mistake, there's no higher artistic value going on that film. I, I thought people didn't like that movie. Well, I think that then people wanted to think that that somehow it should have got nominated for a bunch of awards. Wow. Okay. Definitely not. Uh, she might have been. She was pretty good. Oh yeah. No, that was, that was good. But it, it it was not a uh, not a prestige picture in my mind. Lupita Nyong'o. Yes. I understood the fans being upset she wasn't nominated for Best Actress more after seeing that Renee Zellweger train wreck movie of Judy Garland. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. I you don't hope, need that is so I hope bad. I never do, yeah. It really had the lifetime movie feel and she just I never bought her as Judy Garland. Yeah. It was to me another embarrassing, but that's another year. And <laughs> we're done with this year and now let's yep. just see. I don't know. Now we're going to have to get into some movies of this year. I don't know when we're going to find a way to see those. Uh, well, it's going to be a mixture of things. It's going to be an interesting year as theaters start to open up again. So, uh, well, till next time, uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we don't know what we're going to be talking about on our next program, but I guess we'll be talking about something. We'll be talking about something. All right. You got anything else you want to say before we head on out to the sunset? No, nope, uh, just Oscars were Oscars as usual. You always say Oscars so lame. Uh, I, to me, this was Oscars so sad. Oscar's so let down at the end there. <laughs> it was just so bad. But, you know, you can't predict how these things are going to go. Yeah. It's a little silly that they changed the order just thinking they could end on that note. And, you know, I mean, he shook it up, but he just, unfortunately, it didn't work out. You know, <laughs> oh, well. It would have been funny if he put best picture first. That would have been a shakeup. <laughs> that would have been a shakeup. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do next? You know, they could have done a hologram of Chadwick Boseman sitting there and, and then being upset that he didn't <laughs> win his award, you know? And he could have just had, they could have had him shaking his head like, oh, oh that Anthony Hopkins, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, StuffWeSeen.com. Uh, feedback at StuffWeSeen.com. Teal and I will be back again with some more laughter, fun, and movies. Sounds good. All right. Bye. Bye.